Thank you very much, uh, Matthew. If you have your Bible, as we come to the close of the meeting tonight, we're turning to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9, please. Hebrews chapter 9, and just take the time and find the place. And I'm sure tonight, every one of us, as we've heard uh, Matthew's testimony, we all can identify uh, with wasting time. And just as Matthew has said tonight, uh, let every one of us be those that will be diligent in seeking uh, the things of God. And if you're here tonight and you're not saved and you're not going through with God, well, you do what Matthew has done. You come to the place in your life where you take the things of God serious at saying that the Lord will become real uh, to you. Ma- Hebrews chapter 9, please. And just one verse of Scripture in, this, in verse 22. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. It says, almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight as we bring our meeting to a close about the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know of no greater theme that any preacher could ever speak about or ever any singer sing about than the precious blood of the Savior. And you know, sometimes we as preachers, we, we lay down before men and women sinners that in order for you to be saved, you need to believe. And that's true. Because whenever the Philippian jailer cried out, He said, what must I do to be saved? The cry that came from the inner prison was, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. But you know, dear friends, tonight I want to bring another aspect of salvation before your attention tonight. And it's not just believing, but I want to talk to you about the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the blood of the Lord Jesus is hated by the modernists. They hate it. Men and women that are involved in religion, they reject it. The atheists deny it. But I'm sure tonight in this meeting, if I was to ask every born-again child of God to stand to your feet tonight, if you love the precious blood, I'm sure every one of us tonight would stand to your feet. And not only do we as the children of God love the blood, God requires the blood. You know, dear friends, tonight, if you're ever to get saved, if you're ever to have your sins forgiven, you're going to have to come and realize that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was shed for you. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. That word remission is the word forgiveness. That word remission is the word for pardon. Now, you say to me, Stephen, what would I need to be forgiven for? Stephen, I haven't really done too many things in my life that are wrong. What would I need pardon for? Well, you know, dear friends, there's one word in the Bible, and it has affected men and women down through the centuries of time, and it affects and infects every single one of us in this meeting tonight, and it infects you and affects you, and if you don't deal with it, it will take you to a lost sinner's hell. And I was thinking tonight as we were driving over in the car of men and women that have already went out over the threshold into eternity. And the very reason that they're in a lost sinner's hell is not because they weren't good enough. 
It's not because they didn't know enough verses of the Bible. It's not because they went, didn't go to an evangelical church. The reason why men and women go to a lost sinner's hell and the reason why you may go there is because of S-I-N. Sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In our land, there used to be such a thing as capital punishment. And maybe some of you here tonight are old enough to remember men and women in our land, if they committed murder, they would be hanged by the rope, by the neck until they're dead. And what an awesome thing it is to see a man or woman die, no matter how bad they were, to see a corpse. is a solemn thing. Whenever the judge would stand to his feet with the black cap upon his head and you would hear the tick of the clock in the courtroom and for that judge to look into the eyes of a man or woman and say, in the eyes of the law, you have been found guilty and you're sentenced to death by hanging and God have mercy on your soul. No matter how bad or how evil that man was to see that, It's a solemn thing. Well, I want to tell you, dear friend, tonight, whether you've ever realized this or not, I want to tell you that there's a capital punishment over your soul tonight. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son shall not see life. In John's Gospel, it says, The wrath of God abideth on him. Have you ever thought tonight, dear unsaved in the meeting, that God has put a capital punishment not upon your body, but upon your soul? You remember way back in the Garden of Eden whenever all was perfect and there was no sin there, where God came in the cool of the day and communed with Adam and Eve, and then the enemy came, the devil came, and subtly deceived Adam and Eve. And God came and they hid themselves among the trees and they covered themselves with aprons of leaves. They were on the run from God and maybe you're here tonight and you're on the run from God. And you're trying to cover your sin over by religious garbs and by good works and you've sewn together fig leaves. But it says that God came in the cool of the day and said to Adam, where art thou? God knew where he was. And dear friend, in the meeting tonight, God knows where you are and he knows where you were. And do you remember how God said to Adam before he disobeyed, he said, don't take of that fruit for the day in which you eat, thou shalt surely die. There is a capital punishment laid upon sin. You know why that is? Because sin is serious in the eyes of God. It's not serious to us today. Sins that used to be spoke about in secret are now shouted up from the housetop. Sins that would hardly have been spoken of even in the private place are now portrayed across our television screens, flaunted in pride. What's there to be proud about? See, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says twice in Ezekiel chapter 18, the soul that sinneth, It shall die. 
And dear young person, in this meeting tonight, you may have all of your life planned out before you. You may have all of your desires and ambitions and plans made out and mapped out for many, many years. But always remember this, that there's a season for sin, but the season of sin will soon be over. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And whether you like to believe it or not, or whether you would even like to agree with it or not, every one of us in this meeting tonight are dying. Every one of us in this meeting tonight are decaying. Some of us are closer to death now than we've ever been before in the physical realm. But death is coming and death is sure. But I won't want to talk to you tonight about the death of the body. I want to talk to you about the death of the soul. Not soul sleep now. Not annihilation. I'm not talking about that. Whenever you die, to be separated from God for all of eternity in the flames of a lost sinner's hell where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. A candle will burn out. You'll see a fire burnt, maybe burning in a field and a, a farmer has been cutting the hedgerow and he'll gather the hedge together and he'll burn it, but maybe in the morning it'll be burnt out. All the great fires down through the centuries of time that were lit in cities, they're all burnt out, but the fire of a lost sinner's hell is a fire that will never be quenched. What torment is there? What pain is there? To be absent from the presence of God, to be tormented where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and the cry that goes from the lips of the mall will be, I'm lost. Lost. You see, dear friends, there's one thing to die physically. You were born into this world dead spiritually. We all were born with no desire for God. We had no desire for Him. We were dead in trespasses and in sin. But if you die in your sin, and it only takes one sin to go to a lost sinner's hell, you don't have to be a murderer. You don't have to be a burglar. You don't have to commit war crimes like Putin. You just have to have told a lie. Did you ever tell a lie? Did you ever think a wrong thought? Did you ever take the name of God in vain? Did you ever steal anything? Did you ever look upon a man or woman with lust in your heart? Did you ever disobey God? Well, he that disobeys God on one point is guilty of all. And you say to me, Stephen, what would I need to be forgiven for? What would I need pardon for? Let me tell you, dear friends, tonight you need pardon and forgiveness for sin. And that's why this verse tonight, I want to burn it into your heart because it says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, there's no forgiveness, there's no pardon. What would you think of a judge whenever a man stood before him and he maybe murdered two or three people and that judge said to him, well, sir, you've done a lot of wrong things, but I'm a very merciful judge. I'm going to let you off. What happens if that murderer killed maybe your husband or your wife or your children or your parents? I know the cry that would come from your lips and we hear it across our land. We want justice. Justice. 
Well, I tell you, dear friends, tonight the Bible says that God requires that which is past and shall not the judge of all the earth do that which is right. And God can't cover over your sin and God can't just ignore your sin. God wants you to deal with your sin. Because the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And as I've already said tonight, that because of sin, God has placed the capital punishment upon your soul. And Matthew's already quoted it tonight. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose? Lose his own soul. God speaks once, yet twice, yet man perceiveth it not. And you know, dear friends, that's where the precious blood comes in. Because there's one that had to become accountable for your sin. There had to be one that would take your place. There had to be one who would die in the guilty sinner's room instead. Way back in the Old Testament, I haven't got time to take you into tonight. But whenever a man committed sin, you know what he did? He had away and he got a little lamb. A lamb without blemish and without spot. And he brought it to the tabernacle and he brought it to the altar. And he would lay his hands upon that lamb. And that little lamb, innocent, that little lamb, lamb that never committed sin, that little lamb would die. The knife would go in and the blood would be shed. And that little lamb would become accountable for that man's sin. There was one that would place, take the place of another. Listen to the lovely, lovely hymn that we often sing at times. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole within? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You remember Cain. Cain in the field, he rose up and slew his brother Abel. You know why he did it? Because Cain and Abel, they came to God, the two of them, one had a sacrifice each. Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock, he brought the little lamb. He brought the blood offering to God, but you know what Cain did? It says that Cain brought the fruit of the ground. He brought his fruit that was all manufactured by man. And you know, dear friend, tonight if all you're doing is coming to God your own way, you'll miss miss the great opportunity of salvation. You see, Cain could have brought with him the the grains of good work and the fruits of self-effort and the harvest of good intentions. But whenever he came to God, he was rejected because the ground was cursed. And there could be even some in this meeting tonight and you're going to come to God with all of your good works. You'll come to God your own way. You'll come to God with all of your merits and all of your prayers and all of your church attendance. Maybe because you're a Protestant or a Catholic. Maybe because you're baptized or confirmed. And you'll bring that to God and say, Lord, let me into heaven. And you know what he'll do? He'll reject you as he did with Cain. You see, he didn't have the blood offering. He didn't come by the appointed way. That's the purpose of the blood. Because without it, there's no remission. You can get into heaven, dear friends, without being baptized. You can get into heaven without even having a Bible. You can get into heaven without doing many, many things, but you'll never get through the gates of heaven if you haven't been washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. Now, have you been washed? Have you ever had this experience whenever you were plunged beneath the cleansing flow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You see, there's not only the purpose of the blood. I want to talk to you for a moment about the provision of it. 
Because God has provided a way for you tonight with all of your sin and with all of your guilt that you can have your sins forgiven and be born again and come into the family of God and of peace and joy and forgiveness of sin. God has provided it. You don't need to come with your own means. You don't need to come with your own effort. You don't have to try. You don't have to concoct some ideology. You just have to come God's own appointed way. You remember John the Baptist. Whenever he stood at the side of the Jordan and he saw the Lord Jesus come and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world and all the lambs that have been slain down through the centuries of time were all pointing towards the perfect, sinless, faultless, flawless, harmless, crimeless Son of God. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And I've been enjoying a verse during the week. You know what it is? 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus that the, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might become rich. And I tell you the one that was in heaven with the Father and the Spirit, there the one who knew the adoration of angels, came down and was wrapped in the, the limitations of humanity and laid in a swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, despised and rejected of men. And he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, that ye through his poverty might become rich. I tell you, dear friends, we've got too used to it. To ever think that God became man to save you? To think that the creator, the sustainer, the almighty took upon him the form of man? Took upon him the limitations of humanity? And came down and died on a cross to save you from our sin? What a plan. I tell you this blood that we're talking about tonight that had to be sinless blood. You remember some of the testimonies that men, men give of the Lord Jesus and these were his enemies and every single one of us in this meeting tonight, not only could our enemies find fault with us, but many of our, many of our friends could. Maybe you're a husband here tonight and you're saved and your wife can see plenty of faults, plenty of flaws. Well, I'll tell you, dear friends, the men and women of the days of the Lord Jesus, while they hated him and while they despised him, you know what they could say? They had to say, never man speak like this man. Judas had to say that I have betrayed innocent blood. Pilate, that great cross-examiner of Rome, that man that knew how to pinpoint flaws and failures in many men, as he stood back and gazed at the Son of God, he had to say, I find no fault in this man. And neither can you if you're honest. As the Roman soldier gazed and looked into the, up in that form upon the cross, he had to say, surely this was a righteous man. The thief that was nailed to his side, who watched the Lord Jesus die, had to say to the other man on his other side, had to say, this man had done nothing amiss. Sinless. And yet he died for you. What a, what, a, what a sacrifice. The one who spoke the words into existence, 
the one who the angels continually cry, holy, 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 died for you. He died for me. It was not only sinless blood. Let me tell you, dear friends, it's special blood because the Apostle Peter said this, it's precious blood. It's rare. Some of you women maybe have a rare jewel, but you'll find another one around the world like it. Some of you men maybe have a rare car at home, and maybe it's an old vintage car, and there's maybe not too many of them about, but you'll find someone some, somewhere else. But you'll never come across blood like the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, totally unique, totally sinless, sp- totally spotless. But not only was it sinless blood, and not only was it special blood, this is what I'm after tonight, it was shed blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Sometimes you see blood and it's been shed, and it's been shed by the, the surgeon's knife. And the, the surgeon has to put the scalpel upon the breast and the blood will flow. Sometimes the criminal will break into a home and they'll, they'll maybe beat up a man or woman and the blood will be shed. Sometimes you'll come across an accident in the road and the squeak of the brakes and the, the smash of metal and the blood will be shed. But the blood of the Lord Jesus wasn't shed surgically. It wasn't shed accidentally. It was shed sacrificially. This is my blood that was shed for you, and I would love you to see tonight, I would love you to see that form on the cross of Calvary so marred more than any man, and so more marred more than the form of men, and to see the blood being flowed from his precious body. This is my blood that was shed for you. You know that sword that the angel held at the entrance into the garden? Whenever Adam and Eve sinned and they were put out of the garden because of their sin, that sword that the angel held in his hand and went to and fro, that sword of divine justice and judgment. Well, I'll tell you, dear friends, it was sheathed in the very soul of the Son of God. And there the Lord Jesus Christ became a substitute and a sacrifice for the guiltiest, filthiest, reptile sinner that's even in this meeting tonight. And your family could have given up on you and your doctors could have given up on you and psychologists could have given up on you. But behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And there he died, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God as a sacrifice for sin. I've told a story before in this pulpit. Let me tell it again to some of you who didn't hear it. But in the 1800s, there was a conference over in Chicago. And there was a man in the pulpit, and he began to preach on the precious blood of the Lord. And he, halfway through his message, he began to belittle the work of the cross. He began to attack the the preciousness of the blood. And there was an old woman in that congregation. She stood to her feet at 90 years of age and she stood on her own and she began to sing. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. 
Whenever they came to the second verse, maybe another 20 or 30 people stood to their feet and they began to sing, The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Whenever they came to the third verse, almost 2,000 people stood to their feet. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Thank God for the precious blood. Thank God for the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Not all the blood of bulls and Jewish altars slain could give one guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain. But Christ, the heavenly lamb, takes all my sin away, a sacrifice of richer name and nobler blood than this. There was none other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. You know, dear friends, tonight, if you're ever going to get into heaven, if you're ever going to have sins forgiven, you'll need to come by the way of the old blood-stained rugged cross. But there's not only the purpose of the blood and there's not only the provision of the blood. Finally, there's the power of the blood. We've been singing tonight that there's power, wonder-working power in the blood, and I want to encourage you as a close by some things that this precious blood could do for you tonight. And you dear believers, I want to send you home meditating upon some things that the blood not only has done, but will ever do down through the centuries of time. You'll remember Paul, whenever he was penning his letter to the the church at Ephesus, he says in Ephesians 1 and verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. That word redemption is the word to be bought back and brought out and then set free. You know, dear friend, in this meeting tonight, no matter if it's the chains of addiction, no matter if it's the chains of homosexuality, no matter if it's the chains of drink or drugs or gambling, no matter what chain it is, let me tell you, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is able to deal with the chains of sin. He breaks the power of cancelled sin and sets the prisoner free. I tell you, whenever the John was writing in Revelation chapter 1, and Bertie has often mentioned it here, unto him that loved us and washed us, the word has loosed us from our sins. I'm glad that I'm liberated tonight. I'm glad that I'm saved. I'm glad because there was one died on the cross. I've never seen him. But there's coming a day when I will see him face to face, the one who shed his precious blood to save Stephen Riddle from the chains of sin. Oh, praise God tonight. If you're not saved, you're missing out tonight. You're a pauper. You're a pauper. To be set free, liberated, to become one with God, to be born again, brought into the family, to be brought out of the rags and put into the robes and then set free. Oh, bless His holy name. And you're still in your sin. And you're still bound. And you've still got the chains of shame and sin upon you. And if you don't deal with them, they'll damn your soul. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. But not only do we have redemption through his blood, that deals with the chains of sin. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. You know what that deals with? That deals with the stains of sin. Hallelujah. 
The stains of sin can be removed. Let me tell you, does and all the rest of it. You know, you can put your washing into the washing machine. There's some stains that will not remove. Let me tell you, dear friend, tonight, religion is not going to take away the stains of your sin. Being a good man or woman is not going to take them away. But the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who shed his precious blood for you, if you came to him tonight honestly, sincerely, and you said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm on the way to hell. I'm sorry for my sin. You know what he would do? He would buy you back, set you free, and bring you out, and he would cleanse you, wash you. Oh, praise his name. It was Luther who dreamt that dream one night. And the devil came into his room and he he put up all the sins of Luther, all of the bitterness and gossip and slander. And Luther pulled his bedsheets over his head and then he remembered the word of God and he, he turned to the devil and he says, Oh, write them all there and thousands more. But the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me from all of my sin. Hallelujah. And I hear the accuser roar of things that I have done. I know them well and thousands more, but oh, Jehovah findeth none. It was Dr. Cook who was over at the Parliament of Religion over in Chicago. And uh, there was the the Buddhists there, and there was the the Catholic Church was there, and the Muslims were there, and they all had an outreach, and they all stood to their feet, and they, 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 they preached their ideology, and they said, this is why you need to become a Muslim, or this is why you need to become a Buddhist. And Dr. Cook, every time he, he listened to them, he says, I wonder how I'm going to deal with this. These theologians swayed the whole congregation. My, there was a man who got up and he was a Marxist and he, he swayed the whole congregation. And Dr. Cook was the last speaker at that convention. And he says, men and brethren, I have a, a men and women of a, of a woman here and she's a, she's a prostitute, she's foul-mouthed, she, she's murdered her husband in the temper and in her age. What would you do with her? Muhammad has no answer. Buddha has no answer. Confucius has no answer. Dr. Cook stood on that platform and he cried up into heaven. He says, John, are you there? John the Apostle. And he said, there's a voice come. He says, I'm here. He says, John of a woman here, and she's a prostitute, and she murdered her husband. She's a mountain of sin behind her. Muhammad can't deal with her. Confucius, Buddha can't deal with her. What do they do with her? Ah, he says, take her to 1 John chapter 1 and read verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all of our sin. Hallelujah. Not some of them. Not just most of them. Not just the really big ones. Not just the really small ones. All of them. Hallelujah tonight. I'm glad that I'm saved. You don't have to pay for it. You never have to come back to the lifeboat again. We don't want you to come and sign your name. We don't even want your money. But we want to see you over there in that land that is fairer than day. What power? And the world's talking about Putin and his nuclear power. I don't hear too many people on the television talking about the power of the precious blood. But not only does it have the power to deal with our chains, it redeems us. And not only has it the power to deal with our stains, it cleanses us. It has the power to do with the claims of sin because it draws us near to God. We're brought nigh by the blood of God, blood of Jesus Christ. Once we're far, far away from God, separated for our sin. But your sins and iniquities have separated you between you and your God. Religion can't bring you back to God. Being a good person can't bring you back to God. 
Being a loyalist or a unionist can't bring you back to God. But you see, the day you put your trust in the precious blood, you know what it does? It brings you nigh. And you know the judge, the one who has placed capital punishment upon your soul, I want you to picture it. The one who the wrath of God is weighing upon your soul, he can look down into the guilty sinner's eyes and he can say to you tonight, I can save you and forgive you because my son took your place. But you know he doesn't leave it there. He gets down from the dock and he says, I want you to come home. And he brings us into the family of God. All because of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll give you one more thing. Because it not only can deal with the chains and not only deal with the claims and not only deal with the stains. I tell you, dear friends, it says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And it can deal with the power of sin. And some of you believers in this meeting tonight, you've been saved for many years, but you're living an old, dead, carnal, defeated life, and there's no victory and no power. You're not enjoying the things of God. Oh, visit again that fountain filled with blood. And let me tell you tonight, dear friends, whatever sin is holding you, the precious blood can set you free. Hallelujah. But you know, whenever you go to a doctor and the doctor tells you that you have a problem and he gives you the medicine, you'd be a fool if you went home and you set the prescription on the table. You'd need to take the remedy. Now, there's some of you here tonight and listening to me, you've heard all this before. And you know that you're on your way to hell. It doesn't even concern you. And you know the Savior died. You know the blood has been shed. You know the provision has been made. But the Lord says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. On the 22nd of November, 1963, in Dallas, in Texas, J.F. Kennedy was driving, sitting in the back of his car, and he was making his way through the streets of Dallas. And the eyes of the world were upon him. And at half twelve on the 22nd of November, there was a bullet went into his body and half an hour later he was pronounced dead. And as that bullet hit him in the back of his car, he slumped over upon his wife who was sitting beside him who usually never went with him in any of his tours. And she was wearing a pink dress that day. Whenever they got her into Air Force One and they were making their way back again to Washington, as she sat on the plane with her husband dead, with a broken heart, with all her dreams smashed and shattered, there was two stewardesses came to her and says, Madam, do you not think that you would need to change your clothes? Because the moment that you step out of that door of that plane, the eyes of the world will be upon you. And this is what she said. She says, I want to, them to see the blood. I want the world to see the blood. I want them to see what they did to my husband. 
Now, dear sinner, just stop for a moment. God is here tonight. Did you ever think it was because of your sin that the Son of God had to shed his precious blood? Did you ever think it was because of all the filthy, depraved lies and deceit of your heart and my heart? That there on a green hill far away outside the city wall, the dear Lord was crucified and died to save us all. What a shame it would be to know all of that. What a shame it would be to know your cursed and know the cure and reject it and despise it and then to stand someday before the great judge of all the world. I want them to see what they have done to my son. I want the world to see the blood. Would you not get saved tonight? Do you not want the chains broken? Do you not want to go home clean? I got a phone call on Monday night from a little lady down in Desert Martin. She was 83 years of age. And whenever we were doing the mission there a few years ago, she came in a few nights. She had no notion of the gospel. She rang me on Monday night and she says, Stephen, will you come down and see me? I came down. Lily was sitting there. She says, Stephen, I've got cancer. I haven't long to go. I need to get saved. And there's a wee woman at 83 years of age. She just got in the time. Let me tell you, dear friend, tonight, you could die before your head hits the pillow. And without the shedding of blood, there's no pardon. There's no heaven, no peace, but there is fire, there is weeping, there is wailing, there is the hell for all of eternity. Behold, now is the accepted day. Behold, now is the day of salvation.